don't have it. It's going to be on the screen right here. Now, someone out of the crowd said this, speaking to Jesus. Teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. He replied, Mr., what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? Speaking to the people, he went on, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Then he told them this story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what he, he, he talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods and I'll say to myself, self? Is that not awesome? I'll say to myself, hey, self? Just so you know that I'm talking to myself. Self, you've done well. You've got it made. And now you can retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. Wow, like downer, right? (laughs) And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barns with self and not with God. Okay, so here's this amazing story that Jesus tells. Now, you've you've got to kind of realize the background to this. Uh, Jesus is speaking to this group of people, and he would be given, kind of of like how I'm giving this sermon today. So he's talking about different issues and different things. Uh, He's just uh, finished speaking about, man, consider consider these canaries, these birds, these ravens, uh, uh, how your God looks after each one of them, Uh, how he, he even knows every hair on your head. Uh, and so he's talking about the importance of people, just how much God is, it, it just loves you, you, us, people. And, and in the midst of this, uh, right before he goes into this story, he says this. Um, he talks about people being dragged into the courts. He says, and when they drag you into their meeting places or into certain police courts and before judges, don't worry about defending yourself. What you'll say or how you'll say it, the right words will be there. The Holy Spirit will give you the right words when the time comes. So, so here in the middle of this sermon, all of a sudden, he, he's talking about just the worth of people, the love of God towards you. He knows every hair on your head. And then he, he, he kind of hits for a moment this idea of being dragged before a judge. And when he mentions this word judge, all of a sudden, this certain man in the crowd, all of a sudden, here's my opportunity. And so he interrupts the sermon. He interrupts Jesus' talk, and he says, a certain man from the crowd, teacher, order my brother to give me a fair share of the family inheritance. So all of this that Jesus is speaking about, and all he heard was, wait, I'm looking for a judge. I'm looking for a judge. Now, what's amazing is how Jesus responds to this. Jesus responds to it by saying, listen, who, who am I? What makes you think that it's any business of mine to be a judge or mediator for you? Which is interesting. Because if anybody would be the judge and the mediator, it would be Jesus. As a matter of fact, earlier back in Genesis, uh, when Abraham is having a conversation with God, he says, will not the judge of all the earth do right? I mean, this is the ultimate judge. This is the judge that, that's over all things. 
And so yet when Jesus responds to him by saying, what makes you think that I have anything to do with this? There's a part of us that would say, if anybody should have a part of this, it should, it should, it should be you, Jesus. But here is what Jesus is revealing. He's revealing this man's heart. Because all of these things that Jesus has been talking about, all this, all this young man, or we don't know his age, but all this man knows is, wait a minute, there's something going on, and I need a judge. And all he sees before him is a rabbi. He sees a judge. He doesn't see the Savior. He doesn't see, he doesn't see the person that they've been talking about and dreaming out for centuries, waiting for his to come, waiting for salvation to come. No, all he says, here is a way for me to bring my brother before a judge, and he will judge rightly. And he will judge rightly. This is amazing. Sometimes I think we could come to church. We could go to our job. We could enter certain environments. And we could, uh, it doesn't matter what's going on. The only thing that we could see, the only thing that we could hear is the baggage that we bring with us. The only thing that we could see, the only thing that we could hear is the baggage that we bring with us. And all of a sudden, have you ever been, you're going through something, somebody says a word, and it just sparks anger inside of you? It just sparks whatever emotion it is, because that's all you could think about. That's all you could hear. This person came, he's he's sitting for the the teachings of our Savior, and all he could think about is, man, I'm not getting my fair share from my brother. I need a judge. I need a judge. How often do we come to Jesus, and, and, and that's what we want? And we just want a judge. We want things to be fair. We want uh, things to be equal. Things to, man, the, we have a really warped sense of what equality really is. Because it's not, the kingdom's view of equality is not how we think about it. Matter of fact, later on, Jesus tells a story about this gentleman that has a vineyard. And he needs some workers to go out and work in this vineyard. And so he goes in the morning and he hires some workers for uh, a daily wage. Oh, work's not going to get done. So later on in the day, he hires some more. Later on in the day, he hires some more. And, and all of these workers go, well, it comes to the end of the day, and it comes time to get their check. And he says, listen, bring, bring the last guy that I hired, and I'll pay him first. And, and then the first guy that I hired, I'm going to pay him last. And so, so they're sitting there, and he's handing out the checks for the day. And all of a sudden, he sees, listen, this guy, he's only worked one hour, and he's gotten a full day's wage. And to which the guy at the end of the line says, yes. I've worked all day long. I've pulled a 12-hour day. I'm going to get paid so much. And then he goes to get his check, and it's the exact same amount as the guy who worked one hour. Wait a minute. Hold on. This isn't right. And to which, isn't that what we agreed upon? What's it to you? And see, we hear a story like that, and there's a part of us that really we can't uh, relate to it because, hey, Vineyards, workers, and all this. It just doesn't work that way. So let me kind of put it in today's terms for you. Imagine this. Imagine you go to work for a company, and you spend 30 years at this company, 30 years working your butt off, and it comes time for retirement, and something happens with the company, and hey, oh, it's retirement day. But you go in, but then there's this other kid, this young punk kid, that he's only been working for the company for one year, and he doesn't know hardly anything. And yet he comes up in there, and he gets the exact same retirement as you. You've been working 30 years. He's been working one. Wait a minute. Oh, let, hey, I know you're in church, but you would be mad, right? 
You'll be like, this time, he's been working one year, he's been working 30 years. This thing, you know, and that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, what's it to you? Did you not get what we agreed upon? But it's not equal. It's not fair. And yet here is this brother that's coming to this rabbi to get what he thinks should be fair. Now here's what's even more amazing. That according to the, to, to the law and to the Hebrew tradition, that the older brother, it specifically says that this, this is the younger brother coming with a complaint about the older brother. Now according to Hebrew traditional law, the older brother would get a double portion of the father's inheritance, of the family's inheritance just for the fact that he's older. And so whenever this young man is coming and saying, listen, it's not fair, make sure this, my brother, gives me a fair share, already, even according to the law, he gets, the older brother gets double. So even in looking for fairness, he still comes up short. He's looking for this this idea of fairness. He's looking for this idea of quality, and it's got him so frustrated that he's missed what's right in front of him. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it doesn't work the same way as the world. And sometimes we come to God and we're looking for a judge, and the reality is we need mercy. We need mercy. How do you see Jesus? How do you hear Jesus? Do we find ourselves as that young man just often looking for a judge? Here's the thing. And oftentimes we only want things to be equal. We only want things to be judged when we're the ones on the short side of the stick right? It's not the older brother. Hey, man, I got double portion. No, I'm good. Hey, this is a problem here. No, no. When everything goes our way, we're good. It's until that moment where we feel like we've been wronged. We've been wronged. And and yet, here later on, in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 6, there's this moment moment where uh, Paul is speaking to the church, and he's actually talking about taking your brother and your sister to court. He says, how dare you, each one of you, take each other to court? When you think you have been wrong, does it make any sense to go before a court that knows nothing of God's ways instead of the family of Christians? Why would you do this? And he goes on to say, this is a shame to you. This is a shame to you. Uh, Let me say it bluntly. Uh, We need to wake up. uh, Stop doing these things that you're doing. Is is it possible that there is one level-headed person among you who can make a fair decision when disagreements and disputes arise? I don't believe it. And here you are taking each other to court before people who don't even believe in God. How can they render justice if they don't believe in a God of justice? How can they render justice when they don't believe in a God of justice? And yet sometimes we find ourselves so frustrated with the system. Like Jesus tells us, like, they're not believers. They don't even understand the way it works. And yet, and what this young man, even before Jesus, he's forgotten a key thing when Jesus begins to talk about the judges. He says, uh, and when they drag you into their meeting places. In other words, this isn't a church thing. He'll go on later in this letter to the Corinthians and say this, in these cases, this is an ugly blot on the community. Wouldn't it be far better just to take it, to let yourself be wronged and forget about it? For the kingdom. He's saying, wouldn't it be better just to say, you know what? It's okay. For the kingdom's sake. 
How do you see Jesus? How do you hear Jesus? Sometimes I think when we look at the text uh, or, or, or we read the Bible sometimes, we read what we want to hear instead of what it actually says. Oh, I'm the only one that's done that. All right, come on now. Come on. Uh, oh, let, me, let, me, let me bring this home. Uh, at some point today, somebody's going to get a Valentine's card, and some lady's going to think, oh, he just loves me. It said, it, it said wish you well. <laughs> that card says, wish you well, girl. That doesn't mean he loves you and wants to marry you, all right? That means I hope you have a great day, all right? Let's just put this in perspective, all right? But we read what we want to read. We think what we want to think. Sometimes he's just saying it well. And, and so this is the first, the first question that arises out of this story, is the question that this young man has towards Jesus and saying, listen, uh, I'm looking for a judge. I'm, I'm looking for a mediator. Jesus responds to him. And then he goes into this story. And he tells this amazing story that says, uh, this, this rich guy, he had a terrific crop. He had a great year. Things went good. Great crop. What can I do? Well, listen, my barns aren't big enough, so this is my plan. I'm going to tear down these barns, build some bigger barns, and then I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, self, you did well. How often is this an exact picture of the American dream? See, here's the thing. Oftentimes, even in this church culture, we, we learn and we think about what to do when we fail. When we have mishaps, when things go wrong, when we don't have any money in the bank, when everything has, has fallen flat, we, we've learned how to fall, how to get yourself out. But here is a teaching on what to do when things go good, when you're successful. And, and, and Jesus teaches us what to do and what not to do. And see, the reality is whether we want to admit it of, or not, there's a great deal, many of us, that can't handle success. The worst thing that could happen is for you to get everything that you wanted. Because you wouldn't be able to handle it. You would be just like this guy. Well, what am I going to do? Man, had a great year. Got lots of money in the bank. Let's build a bigger house. Let's get a bigger car. Let's buy more islands and jets and planes and boats and, and whatever it is. And hey, come on. Come on. That's what we do. If someone was to cut you a check right now, hey, man, how's it doing? Love you. Here's $10 million. What would you do with it? Would you go? Well, bigger house. I, I remember years ago, uh, I was working over um, on the waterway at this one particular house, and the house was just immaculate, beautiful, beautiful house. Um, and, and we're going through it, and finally this older gentleman comes, and, and this guy is old. This dude is upper 80s old. And I'm like, what is this guy doing on the property? Come to find out it's the owner. I'm like, what is this dude? I mean, this is a multi-million dollar house. I'm like, what is this dude? He can't even walk these stairs. What is, you know, he's building this house. And so I'm like, I just got to talk to him. And so I'm, I'm starting to talk to this guy. I'm like, how do I bring this up? I mean, how do I like confront this? I mean, I'm just, a war- I'm just pulling electrical wire. But something inside me has to know, dude, what are you thinking? And so I've got to figure out how to ask this question without being a jerk. You know, I got to. I got to. So I ended up talking to him, and anyway, anyway it turns into, like, hey, man, I, I just got to ask you, you know, you're up there in age, you know? And uh, this, this house is great, but 
you know, why, why? And this is what he said to me. He said, listen, you know, um, what else am I going to do? That's what he said. He said, I got all this money. What else am I going to do? I was like, man, I could think of a lot more things that you could do, bro. Like, you've only got a few years left. I mean, there's all kinds of people all over the world that could do so much better than that house. And listen, here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with big houses. And like, We'll get to that in a second. I'll, I'll talk about that. But that was the best that he could come up with. And I just thought, Lord Jesus, how often is that the best that we could come up with? Lord God, if you were to bless me, and I was to have a successful year just like this man, what would my dream consist of? Would it consist of building a bigger, redder barn? Would I try and tear down this old thing to build a bigger thing just so I could store more things so I could sit back and say to myself, self, you've done well. Because that's the consistency often of our dreams. Often I believe our dreams aren't our dreams. Our dreams are someone else's dreams. See, the, thing, the reason why you want the things that you want right now is not because you want them. It's because someone else has told you that that's what you're supposed to want. This is what you're supposed to do when you have a lot of money. This is supposed to, what's, how you're supposed to live when you've had a successful year. You're supposed to do these things. And it all equates to, well, you tear down the little barns and you put up bigger barns. And yet Jesus has a completely different way of doing things. Completely. And he, here's the thing that I've learned about success. Success is this. Success is a highlighter. Because all success does is it highlights what's already there. See, if you're a greedy person and you become successful, you'll be more greedy. If you're a humble person and you become successful, you'll be more humble. You know what I'm saying? It highlights what's already there. You think that, oh, well, listen, if I was to have this success, then, then I would be generous. No, 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 you wouldn't. You'd be even more greedy. Or, or if all these things happened, then I would give to the poor. Then I would help dig wells. Then I would, no, no, no. The way you treat $10 is the way you'll treat $10 million. And if you're faithful with the little, you'll be given much. But when you're unfaithful with the little, there's a reason why God can't bless you. There's a reason why you can't, because you'll just simply tear down your little barns and build bigger ones. And it'll end up being your, dis, your demise. And it's a highlighter. I, I remember hearing a story of uh, Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins, an amazing, amazing Christian artist that uh, I think his most famous song was Awesome God, right? Our God is an awesome God, he reigns. Yeah, I'm not going to sing the rest of it. And, hey, I was almost on key there. It was? Yes! I'm leading worship next week. That would be foolish. That would be very foolish. Okay. Uh, but Rich Mullins, Rich Mullins, he, he does these, his, and this guy, his story, such a humble guy. They, they do this award ceremony, uh, this big, you know, I don't know if it was the Christian Dove Awards or what it was, but they're doing this big award ceremony, and it was to honor him, and it was to give him these awards for these songs that he had done. And it comes time for him to get on stage and accept the rewards, and nobody could find him. Nobody could find him. He had, he had taken off his jacket, put on a waiter's jacket, and was serving everybody. And nobody even recognized it was him. See, success is a highlighter. It was already in him. 
And Jesus said, listen, I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Uh, Amazing. Amazing story. If we're faithful with a little, we'll be faithful with much. The second question is a storage issue. What do we do? How, How do I store more of this stuff? On a side note, you know you've gotten off track when you start talking to yourself. When you start saying to yourself, self. That's the red flag. You're you're probably messing up. But the thing is, it says here, see, your barns are filled with self and not with God. See, when your life focuses all about you, there's a good chance you're just building a bigger, redder barn. You've forgotten that your success and your blessing isn't just to bless you, but to bless others. You're blessed to be a blessing. And then the third question arises. So Jesus tells the story. He says, this fool, tonight you'll die, and you're born full of goods. Who gets it? Who gets it? What, in the end, what does it all matter? See, some of us have climbed the ladder of success. We've gotten everything that we've dreamed about only to get to the top and realize, this is it? Really? Man, maybe the next million will make me happy. Maybe, maybe the next, and it's not often just money. Maybe it's, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's, man, when more people know my name. When, when, when more people pat me on the back. When more people tell me how good a job I'm doing, then, then I'll feel accepted. Then the happiness will come. When, when, when I reach the title, when I get CEO, when I get president, when I get CFO, then. And we've got there only to realize, man, it's not what I thought it would be. We were living someone else's dream. There's a story of a professor. He stands before his students, pulls out this big mason's jar. In this mason jar, he he places these three huge rocks inside the jar. He looks at the students and he says, is this jar full? So it's, yeah, jar's full. Three big rocks. Can't fit any more of them in there. So then he reaches behind the desk, pulls out hands full of pebbles, begins to fill them to the jar all the way to the top. Then he looks at the students and says, is this jar full? Okay, yeah, yeah, well, now it's full. Reaches behind his desk, pulls out a thing of sand, begins to pour sand in there. Looks at the students and says, now is the jar full? Yes, yes, professor, the jar is full. You can't fit anything else in there. And then he takes a glass of water and pours it in the cup. And then he looks at the students and says, now is the jar full? And he says, I want you to think, what is the lesson in all this? So the students begin to talk among themselves. and say, well, the lesson, the lesson is, well, there's always room for more. And to which the professor says, no, no, no. The lesson is this. If you don't put the big rocks in first, they will never fit. If you don't put the big rocks in first, they'll never fit. And see, the reality is, in our life, in our priorities, if we don't put the big rocks in first, they will never fit. If you don't seek God first, we'll fill our lives with other things, with sand and pebbles. And see, here's the lie that we tell ourselves. 
We tell ourselves, that, hey, we're doing all these things for God. Or we're doing all these things for family. And we end up with a life that's a, a jar full of pebbles. And we're, we're doing this, but we've never put them on the inside. We've never put them on the inside. See, when we get our priorities out of whack, when we, we start to put all these things, the big things will never, for, never fit. Jesus will go on later after this, and he'll say, listen, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. See, when you put the big rocks in first, all of that other stuff will come. When you put God first, he'll fill your barns. And it doesn't matter how big your barns are when you put God first. We say, you know, one day I'll get serious about God. One day I'll spend more time with my family. And that's the biggest lie, is that one day. Reality is that one day is today. And we've confused the prime products with the byproducts. And whenever you make the byproduct a prime product, your life will fall apart. But whenever you make the prime product, the main thing, the main thing, all, everything else will fall into place. You see, you're, you're trying so hard to, to, to succeed at your job, and you're trying so hard to make your marriage work, and you're, and you're trying so hard to raise your kids, and you're trying so hard to be good in the community. When, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all of those things will be added unto you. But when you try to do all of those things without God, you're filling your life with pebbles and sand, and the big rocks are staying out of the jar. And you're wondering, why is it so hard? Why am I so frustrated? Jesus doesn't mind you having the big red barn just as long as you put the big rocks first. What good is it that you would gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? What are you putting first in your life? What are you putting first in your life? You want to know the secret to success? Put God first. And later on, after this story, Jesus goes back into his sermon, and he begins to teach, and he's saying, listen, you want to know what success is like? You, you put me first. You, you want to know how you solve this problem of your barns not being full enough? Easy. You store up for yourself treasures in heaven. You store up treasures in heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. When everything that we do revolves around self, we're looking inward, everything will fall apart. Jesus goes on to say, listen, consider the birds Consider the lilies of the field. God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you? See, we have to not just hear what we want, but we have to really take the time to listen to what God is saying. We have to recognize what's really important in life. And what I want to leave you with today is the same question that Jesus ultimately left with this man. What now? What does it really look like to seek him first in your life right now it's just a moment you and God what does it look like to seek first the kingdom of God this has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church a community of faith hope and love 
For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Come on, be.